0: What's up, Pit fans? Welcome back to another Pit Mailbag here on the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. He is Chris Carter. I am Noah Hiles. We're both wishing you a happy new year, Chris. Twenty twenty-four, we made it, and uh, we got a lot to talk about. First off, how were your holidays? How was your new year?
1: Oh, it was it was lovely. We got to we got to stay at home and chill. I know that you went out and partied a little bit, uh, made some predictions about the Pirates postseason. Uh, <laughs> But in all seriousness, it was a good time, man. I, I got to stay at home. Um, you know, I had to do some work because, you know, uh, that's how, how it would be in, in, in the sports business. But uh, it was a lovely time. Got to enjoy the ball drop and then and then get some sleep. What about you?
0: Yeah, I mean, I had a good time. We went to a private event on the North Shore. Uh, my girlfriend's got some some fancy friends who can mm-hmm. get us into these things. So that was a good time on New Year's Eve. New Year's Day, uh, just you know, I did what everyone's supposed to do, and that's just hang out in sweatpants and watch college football. That's what I did. And I worked a little bit. Wrote wrote a, wrote a preview for tonight's game against North Carolina. Did some other things. Um, but, yeah, great holiday season. Great, great two playoff games. Uh, I'm not – never was a huge fan of the four-team format. Uh, I always thought it should have been a little bit more. But this was a heck of a send-off for – this 14 format for the playoff. Cause those two semifinals, this is probably the, I, I thought last year were probably the best two semifinals. Cause prior to that, every semifinal was kind of a blowout mm-hmm. or at least most of them, it seemed. Um, but man, this year, as far as you want to, you want to pair a whole year of the two semifinals. I think this is the best year because they, they both went right down the line, uh, Just two all-time classic games, in my opinion. So really cool to see that. And I'm really looking forward to the national championship. I think these were the two best teams pretty much all season. The only two unbeaten teams left standing. Uh, And it's the best offense in the country versus the best defense in the country. I don't know what more you could ask for. For that, for for as far as a championship game goes, and you know both their quarterbacks are healthy, that also matters. Uh, So anyway, we're going to get into some pit talk now. But before we do, we got to talk about the show's name sponsor, which is Mike's Beer Bar. Whether if you're in town for a Steelers, Pirates, or pit game, Mike's Beer Bar is right across the street from PNC Park and has the best selection of beer in town as well as amazing food options. They have over twenty TVs, and you can catch all of your NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and Premier League action right at Mike's. Come on in and try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local beers, as well as 80 different local craft beers available on tap. You can also get a flight and try out every option you could dream of. And trust me, you won't run out of favorites because I never do. And I'm always there. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you can choose how hot you want your steak cooked with a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in Pittsburgh. Come to Mike's Beer Bar and get your sports fix and experience the best Pittsburgh sports bar. All right. Let's start it off here, Carter. A lot of basketball questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? We'll go with Greg to start things off. Greg wants to know, what player from last year's team does Pitt basketball miss the most right now? Uh, for those who weren't paying attention, Pitt lost to Syracuse over the weekend, falls to 9-4 and overall, 0-2 in ACC play, and it's got a pretty big game this evening against North Carolina. Uh, so with all the flaws considered, Chris, who would you say they missed the most?
1: Huh? I feel like the easy answer is Jamarius Burton because Mm -hmm. he would calm so many things down and he would hit the big shots and he would be the guy that could, could could lead the team. So I feel like that's the easy answer. And I I say that as my, as my facial answer, but I I say this, I think that this team actually misses last year's version of Federico. I had it written down too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, because the the way that he played, he was such a defensive force. He shut down on Wando Baycott. He was able to do things, and offensively, he was able to he was able to score. He wasn't dropping the ball as much. You know, whatever he did with the Finland national team and everything o- over the summer, maybe he improved there, but it has not showed in his game yet. And that is to me the biggest weakness on this team right now is they do not have a presence in in the paint who can consistently turn away. Uh, you know, uh, uh you know, uh, offenses that attack that area um last year he was he was an asset to that and when he he was gone Guillermo Diaz Graham did a great job stepping up for the couple games that he did in the tournament and and giving them those options but eventually you saw when they played Xavier they couldn't negate that anymore it just wasn't a factor this year even with Fede Federico they can't negate that against the teams they played so far and if that doesn't change that's going to be a big problem for the rest of the season so you know, Jamarius Burton, as far as a overall player, that's who they miss. But this team could really use last year's Freddy Federico.
0: Yeah, and and to build off of that, that was the name I had written down too. I think they are, they're better offensively down low, just because mm-hmm. Guillermo is giving them what they need as far as production. He adds an outside shooter, and anytime you can get that from a five, I think that's tremendous. But yeah, there, there's no they have no front court defense right now. They their best front court defender is will jeffress who's six seven and is a wing but he can defend a center better than their centers can right now and that's a problem and like you said carter you you highlighted the baycott performance from Fetty, and that's a matchup we're going to watch tonight and you would have thought that that would have been the the standard coming into this year from him that he's not a guy that needs to get 10 and 10 and he's not even a guy that needs to get 10 rebounds again. because if you look it still rebounds the basketball really well against power five competition they the way they have it as a as a group mentality it works that's a sustainable method that they have but they just they need someone who can clog up the paint and just not mm-hmm. let guys get to the rim easily not let guys you know just go to the basket and and be unpunished and and have open looks and also not make mistakes on the offensive end that create transition opportunities. So Feddy would have been my pick. I also agree. I mean, Burton was the best player on last year's team. You, anytime you could add a first-team All-ACC player, you would certainly like to have him. Just to go different, I'll, I'll say Nelly
1: mm-hmm. is
0: another guy. I just think that if you – I think there is a benefit here and this can kind of trans transition us into our next uh, question that there are times where I think this team would be better off by going four guards and they don't Mm -hmm. have four guards to play with or maybe three guards and Blake kind of like what they did last year. Um, But when Blake's not on the floor, if they had a fourth guard where they could kind of go small and, and spread things out, it would help. So Nelly there, you know, you let Bub be more of a scorer, and you could even play Bub at like the three, Blake at the four, keep ish at the two. That would be interesting. But that translates that moves us into our next question. This comes from our, our pal Fran. Uh is it time for Jalen Lowe to start a point guard for Pitt? And this is an interesting question. Uh to in a short answer, no, he shouldn't start. But I I really think that it's time for Jalen Lowe to keep getting more minutes and we've seen an uptick in minutes I think he played what 19 against Syracuse and no turnovers nine points four assists um th- there are times where yeah they they should have low at the one Bub at the three Blake at the four and but your your problem there is if you're gonna go with that lineup you need a definitive answer down low if they could get Fetty to play defense the way he was playing defense last year, mm-hmm. you can put four big time scorers or three big time, your three best shooters on the floor and a guy who can get them all the ball and then just a guy down low to, to clog up the lane. I would like to see that rotate that lineup a little bit more, maybe not in a starting lineup, but yeah, Jalen Lowe needs to play more. I don't think he should start. I don't think he's done enough to take Carrington spot or Leggett's spot and I think that this team needs Will Jefferson in the starting lineup somewhere as well. So, no, he shouldn't start, but more – yes, he should play more. Carter, do you agree?
1: I, I agree. I, I like what Jalen Lowe's been doing. But uh, even in a game where Bob Carrington had five turnovers and five assists, he still scored pretty well. He shot pretty well. He created his own shot. Um, I think that he's still pacing himself very well. I think what's happening is Jalen Lowe is becoming a a, a a much better distributor of the basketball – and he is finding ways to attack and create more consistently. He's very explosive off the ball and Bubba's even said like he's he's craftier than me. Like he he can come up with stuff that to create other things for other people better than he does, but I think Bub Carrington's still the better the bigger threat uh out of the point guard. I, I think the, the 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 bigger question though is can you know if if they have uh colder cold starts from Ishmael Leggett, you know how long how long do they give him to kind of get right in games cuz he was, you know, as much as, you know, some people looked at Bub Carrington the last game, I think Ishmael Leggett, you know, shooting terribly was a big part of the problem, too. He's been a guy that when he has, when he's been the calming presence. And that's where I think Jamarius Burton would really come in handy for this uh-huh. team right now to the last question. Because if Leggett was coming off the bench and Burton was your two and Bub was Bub was your one, or they could flip between Burton being the one and, and Bub being the two, uh, that that would be deadly because then you'd have the guy who could who could calm everything down, get get a two-point bucket, uh, and it generates stuff. And then with Burton, with the multiple shooters that they have this this, this year, um, I think he'd just be just as dangerous as he was last year. So I, I think that Jalen Lowe, he still needs to be on the bench, but he certainly I think has is proven that he can he he doesn't need to be held back in his minutes nearly as much.
0: Yeah, to build upon your point, Leggett, first eleven games of the year double figures in scoring last two, nine points and then five points. So he he's cooled down. I just still think, I think Leggett and Henson are the two guys you have to start every game just because you need, you can't start two true freshman guards right now. Uh Maybe toward the end of the year, but I don't care how bad he's playing. You got to have him out there. You just, you can't have two freshman guards out there, but I don't know. Jeff knows more about basketball than me. So maybe I'm wrong there. We'll go on the note of Jeff. Uh, Lance wants to know, if Pitt basketball has a losing season, should Jeff Capel be back on the hot seat? Uh, probably not. Uh, I I, I want to say probably not in the sense where if they only finish with like 11 wins, then yeah, he should be on the hot seat. I'm not saying fire him. But if, if they finish like 2-18 and 18 in the ACC or whatever, then yes, you should consider, like, he should go in to next season being like, we got to see an improvement because it was just one good year out of everything. And while the program looks really, really good, I still think long-term right now, if they go like 2-18 and 18 in the ACC, who's to say that those good pieces are going to stick around? So that would be my only caveat. Overall, I say no. I think Capel's a great coach. He was the reigning ACC Coach of the Year. I think that this team, even if it doesn't make the tournament, um, is a much better state of basketball than what had previously existed here at Pitt um, prior to last year's group that made the tournament. So, yeah, no, I I mean, I don't think there's really anything he can do as far as on-court production this year that would uh, lead him to lose his job. And there's very little that could happen for him to be put back on the hot seat. It would have to be something catastrophic.
1: It would have to be something catastrophic. And I think, I think one thing you said that that's really important here, he literally, he literally just won ACC coach of the year. Like yeah. He turned, he, he turned, he saved the program, got it back into, into contention to the point where people have the confidence that, this this should be a tournament team. That's why people are so disappointed right now with a nine and four record. If if they if this team was nine and four last year, they might have been nine and four last year at some point. Um, you know, people would have been been like, oh my gosh, like this team's competing. Like like we can we can ha- we can have fun watching basketball again. And I think it, that's that's where it's like we have to be real about the situation. Also, that team last year, how how many seniors did it have? Right. Like, I, it was it was heavily dependent upon seniors that he brought in either via the transfer portal or developed on the on the roster and you know oftentimes when the team like that graduates the team that comes after them isn't that good or, or they, they they need time to build so uh, a team that's starting a freshman guard and bub carrington is developing a, another freshman guard and jalen low um and is trying to develop big you know big men uh in down, down low that are really skinny and they're trying to figure out their roles i, I think it's just a reality that like hey you know what it's going to take some time for them to to be, still become a dominant program if they if you want to see them get back to where they were in the highest of highs under Ben Howland and Jamie Dixon um but yeah unless they, unless they go like unless they have a terrible record in the ACC and I mean like only five conference wins all year. Yeah. Then I think that there would be a hot seat conversation, but I anticipate this team to be right around 500 in the ACC play and, and to be, be on the bubble for the tournament. And you don't fire Jeff Capel for that situation. Now um I think it will it will put, it put an interesting perspective on the on the coming years because remember he signed an extension that'll have him through the end of the 2026, 2027 season. So right what he what he does moving forward. Will be, will be a big part of it. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's anything – it would take a drastically bad season uh, for Jeff Capel to be on any hot seat this year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, it'd have to be a nightmare showing in the ACC, and it would probably have to be a whole bunch of guys leaving as well. So, And uh, I don't think they're close to that point yet. So, Mike now wants to ask, kid as – Eight games this month. How many does it have to win in order to remain in the mix for a tournament spot? I want to go over this wording real quick here because when it says remain in the mix, this isn't a tournament team right now. It's not in any bracketology. It's it's a team that I think is close. It has the net and the Ken Palm to be there, uh, and it's still super early. It's a team that still needs a big win to even be you know, a little closer to the bubble. So if if we're trying to, looking at eight games this month, I mean, what are, what are they there? It's two against Duke, then North Carolina, Miami, Louisville, Syracuse, mm-hmm. Wake Forest, and Georgia Tech. So there's four quad one teams right there off the top of my head. I think that that's all that there are. Um, I I would say five and three because because this team's not a tournament team right now you need to if you go four and four at that point you're 13 and what eight you got a lot of work to do in February if you're gonna work your way back without without a big win at that point even mm-hmm. if and even if they did get a big win out of those four this month that's gonna include another bad loss too so I would say five and three um assuming that you would Either that would mean you'd get one of those one win over those four really tough games the two against Duke, one against North Carolina, or at Miami. Or if that included more than one win in that group, I think that that would still be more important than the losses in the ACC. There it would be what if they went five and three, that would bring their record to five and five, right? In the ACC, so. Yeah, I think five and three, you're 500 in the ACC after your toughest month of conference play. Um, that gets you your quad one win. I think that they're on the bubble. I think anything less, you're making it pretty hard on yourself heading into the final full month of the regular season.
1: I, I agree with that. I think that right now you look at the, at the, um, the situation that they that they face, and like we said, you're you're trying to get back to 500, and a five and three record gets them back to 500. Um, you know, I look at the at the teams that they that they have to face. Um, in the stretch, you got to beat Louisville. There's no excuses. Yep. You, you gotta you gotta smoke that team. They're terrible. You gotta beat up on them, and you know, say all right, enough, enough's enough this this is a game that we should win um i think when you look at the the other teams that that are out there um you got to beat a team like georgia tech i think you got to beat be a team like wake forest you win those three games and then you're talking about then the big opponents that, that that are that are on their schedule, uh Duke twice, North Carolina. I think you also got a win your rematch with Syracuse. So that's yes, four games. That's so, I think
0: because you win that Syracuse rematch and it's kind of a wash that loss doesn't look as bad. You just beat each other, you flip-flopped on your home court. Sorry to interrupt you, but
1: no, yeah, yeah you're fine. But that's yeah. exactly where I'm where I'm going with this. But if you win those four games, then all you're talking about is beating North Carolina, beating or or beating Duke one of two times. beating Miami you do you do that you handle that business five and three you're in more of those conversations and I I think also something to 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 note about the Ken Palm Pitt got a very fortunate win from one of its previous non-conference opponent Florida Gulf Coast taking out uh FAU or whatever the I'm sorry I'm mixing up mixing up the number seven team at the time
0: no you got it it was FAU
1: if it was FAU okay But, but, like, that that's a win that if Florida Gulf Coast, you know, has that win and finishes strong in, in their conference and they end up being in tournament conversations, that win for Pitt looks a lot better. So I think, it, again, it reinforces – you gotta you gotta play strong this month, and I think they have to learn from their mistakes. They've seen what teams are trying to do to pressure uh, Bob Carrington uh, with the ball. They've seen the teams are not going to let Blake Hinson just shoot from the logo, even at t- at times. And you gotta get answers from Fetty and Guillermo uh, and 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 Austin or whoever um, you know down down low. That's where I'm thinking that, like, man, I really think that there's uh, uh you know there's an opportunity here, but. Um, but, yeah, handle your business against the teams you're supposed to beat and then uh, and, and then go in and steal at least one of those games against the, the, the big-time opponents. Then you'll be in some serious conversations.
0: And also, yeah, like to build off what you said, let's say they do that exact – let's say they get one uh, – they split with Duke, right? So they lose to North Carolina. They beat Duke. They lose to Duke in Durham. They lose to Miami on the road, and then they win the other four games. Your ACC losses, yeah, you have five of them, but they are to Syracuse and Syracuse, at home to a really good Clemson team, at home to a really good North Carolina team, on the road in Miami, and then um, I don't know. Oh, Clemson, Syracuse, Duke, North Carolina, Miami. Yeah, that that's mm-hmm. not those aren't five bad losses. So no, I and and you avenged two of them with by splitting with Duke and Syracuse in your hypothetical Chris. So yeah, I, I think that five and three minimum six, six and two gets them in the, they're probably oh. a tournament team looking at as far as like bracketology goes Heading into
1: February. Yeah. yeah.
0: But, and this is also assuming, you know, some of these teams could collapse. I mean, at this time last year we were praising Pitt for beating a North Carolina team. That was ranked and was a lock for the NCAA tournament right and they didn't even end up making the NCAA tournament so a lot can happen in January we'll see we'll see what how these ACC teams hold strong we'll see what the value of an ACC win means this year I think it's going to have a little bit more value than it did last year but yeah I, I would say five and three at at minimum if it's four or four or worse you're looking at NIT probably being the ceiling. So we'll go to Gus now. Gus, and this is not basketball. It kind of relates to basketball. I think it's more just related to athletics in general. And this is our final question. Gus wants to know if Florida State somehow finds its way out of the ACC, should Pitt follow them out the door?
1: You want to start with this, Urshaw? Sure. Uh, no, you go, you go ahead with this one. I want to hear what you got to say. Should they? Sure.
0: Yeah. Yes. If, I mean if if you, if you but you need to be able to do it. Yeah. And that's my thing. I mean, if Florida State, people think that, you know, Florida State's in court or whatever, it's not suing to leave the ACC for free. You know, the the exit price I believe is 570 million and they're just trying to get that total lowered. So, let's say they lower it to Two hundred million, a hundred million. Florida State might be willing to to pony up that money and leave, but does Pitt have a hundred million to leave (laughs) a conference? And if so, are we sure that a conference is going to be waiting with quote creed with arms wide open? Uh, I I don't know. I I I would have to assume that if the ACC absolutely dissolved, like we saw with the Pac-12 that, yeah, Pitt is going to find a home. It would probably be the Big Ten uh, or the Big 12. But I don't know if, if it's just a standalone thing or I, I don't know how the exit process would work as far as where Pitt would be in demand. I think that it is an attractive athletic department, but it's not more attractive than the schools that can afford to leave before it.
1: Yeah. It's not
0: more attractive than Florida State, than Clemson, than North Carolina than Miami. Those are four schools that are going to get scooped up real quick. And, you know, Pitt's going to be probably paired with Syracuse. And will Syracuse leave the ACC? Syracuse probably just go to the Big East and go football independent. I don't know. Uh, and, and there there's a lot of different things that can unfold if there is like a mass exodus. But again, like I said, the big question is, before you could even think of what conference would want Pitt, does Pitt have the money right now to leave? Even if it could, because if if the exit fee, no one's got five hundred seventy million. I mean, they might, but like no one's willing to pay that. But if it's two hundred million, even a hundred, if it's a hundred million dollars, that's yeah. double what Texas and Alabama paid, or yeah. Texas and um, Oklahoma. Excuse me, paid. I think they both paid fifty million to leave their final year. So. Uh, Pitt ain't forking that up. I mean, they're they're building a new athletic facility, and they're just not the same type of athletic brand. So if if that's the cost to leave, they're not leaving. They can't.
1: Imagine trying to pay for that, and then like you, you, you wanting to buy out Narduzzi's contract or Capel's contract. Like if you're if you're if you're on any of those trains, and I'm not. But I'm saying like like if you were if you were like oh man, we got we got to get rid of one of these coaches. You spend any money on i I'm just losing my AirPods everywhere. Um, <laughs> it's like if you spend if you spend any money on moving conferences, kill any movement of any coaches or any buying out of anything. Uh, for, for years. And also it takes a hit to the, to the recruiting pool uh, of, you know, when you're going to the transfer portal. So yeah, I, I don't see, I don't see it actually happening because it would take, it would take money to get, to get out of there. Um, If the, if the conference dissolved, they'd be on the look. And I, I think that especially, you know, cause I think West Virginia is in a similar boat that like, you know, they're not a hundred percent, you know, sh- sold on the big 12. Uh, I, I think that, a, co- a conference would benefit from having Pitt and West Virginia in it together and making them rivals that just have to play play every year. Um, and, you know, ideally that would be the big 10. And you would, I would, you know, if I'm the big 10, I'm like, I could sell myself on Penn State playing Pitt and, and West Virginia every single year. And those three being instant rivals. And that would be, that'd be fun for me. And that would be, that would make a lot of money because those three schools will show up against each other. Um, but as far as, you know, like you said, like Pitt's not a big a big spender in 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 the football world, and you know they they can get they can do well every so every so often and and make a big push. Um, but I don't think teams are going to be you know kicking down the door for the for for Pitt football right now. Um, now Pitt basketball that could be interesting. I think if if they can make a press, that that'd be something there. But basketball ain't the driver; that football is. I mean, just look at the numbers that are there we can't see them right now as we're recording this, but I'm I'm very curious to see that like the TV ratings for those two college football playoff games. And I think they're going to be bonkers and it's going to be something that no other college athletics thing is going to be able to replicate. And uh, that that's why football is the moneymaker when it comes to all of these decisions.
0: And one final thing on this topic here, before we wrap up the show, if you're looking at it from just a, we'll say like a next two, three year window how many more teams do these power conferences really even want to add at this point? Because if you're the Big Ten, what is Pitt, and I don't mean to talk down on Pitt when I say this, but what is Pitt bringing as far as adding to your revenue? I mean, you're getting teams that can be competitive, sure. I mean, I don't see Pitt winning that Big Ten football conference with now with Oregon and Washington and UCLA and USC on top of Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Um, and it could compete in basketball, I think, but that would also be, ai mean, that's a stacked league. Uh, but the idea, like I said, North Carolina, Florida State, those are national brands. They have fans outside of their city, their state, that aren't alumni. Millions of people, they tune in and they watch a game because of those uniforms. I don't know if Pitt's that like Pitt is a Pitt has a has brand has a brand it has somewhat of a national reputation i think it can build into something a little bit more but i'm not sure if you're in a spot right now like the SEC or the Big 10 where you just added so many different teams yeah and are you in a rush to add a whole bunch more right now especially something like Pitt where i don't know what value that would provide to your conference a Florida State would because there's a lot of people who watch Florida State. And there's a lot of people who watch North Carolina. And there's a lot of people who watch Clemson in Miami. But if you're that next tier, that Pitt, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough. So I'm not sure that they would have a definite home. I think staying in the ACC even after Florida State left is the most realistic option you probably get a bigger slice of the pie because they're gone now. So you're getting more TV revenue that way. Um, the conference, if Florida State leaves, North Carolina is going to leave and Clemson's going to leave. And now the conference is pretty much irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but I, I, yeah, I don't think there's anywhere for them to go. And I don't think they could leave. So yeah, if, if they could, if they could pony up the money and be able to function, afterward you know if David Tepper wants to sell the Carolina Panthers and pay Pitt's way out of the ACC and the Big Ten welcomes them in with open arms then do it but it just seems like I mean they're building a new facility on campus right now their coaches are both signed to long deals um they're then they might be paying an athletic director a lot of money here soon I mean there's just there's a lot going on that I just don't see that as a feasible option right now. So Carter, any final thoughts?
1: Uh, just, I, I agree. I think people need to understand that when it comes to the spending on this stuff, you know, Pitt does not have the budget to match with. I mean, I mean, look at Indiana even spent what, like $60 million in getting rid of a coach or something like that. So like a football coach, by the way, um, I, and I think those
0: decisions this- and those decisions impact the actual team like to win this financial decision it's not for anything it's just to leave something it has nothing to to do with a new coach or something like that so like that's they don't even like you said carter they don't even have the fire coach money they don't got the leave conference money
1: yeah it's like you 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 got leaving the acc money that's what i said is it to this whole situation so i i don't think it's it's as big of a um a a reality for them to force their way out um but if the conference were were to dissolve i think Pitt would land in a power four power three whatever it would be at that point i don't even know um because you know college football college sports is just changing so rapidly but I think that Pitt would find itself in a competitive place um, because I think someone would take it but I don't think that they're they're jumping out of uh, they're jumping out without a parachute that I think that that just, that just doesn't happen in this in this situation but that being said we got a fun uh, basketball game to cover tonight at the Pete 7 p.m. and let us know if you're there we're in the press box if you're ever walking in come say hi we know a lot of people do uh, but we're always down to say hello to uh, anyone that's uh, that that loves to read our work or check out our work and uh, the Noah, happy new year to you buddy we're in 2024
0: yeah man i will see you at the Petes in i don't know a couple hours and uh we'll see you all there as well thank you for tuning in to everyone and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already and so you could keep checking out all of our sports content here on the post gazette sports now youtube channel and podcast network take care
1: Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.